Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Monday, June 17th, 2019. I'm Shannon and I am here with another author interview. Today I am joined by author Louise Candlish, so stand by for that in just a moment. And then of course, following the interview, I have the usual list of new books coming out this week, so definitely hang out for that after the Candlish interview. But before we get started with the meat of the episode, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. If you're looking for a good group of people to talk about books with, we would love to have you. If you are a fan of Twitter, you can find us over there, and the handle is at bistro underscore book. And if Twitter or Facebook or pretty much any other social media is just not your thing, definitely send us an email. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So that is pretty much all of the housekeeping information that I have for you. So stay tuned for the interview followed by a list of some new releases. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. I'm Shannon and I am joined today by author Louise Candlish. Her second novel, which is entitled Those People, is releasing today, June 11th. So Louise, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. So can we start by giving listeners a little bit of an introduction into those people? Absolutely. Well, those people of the title are a pair of um, neighbours from hell, I think we could call them. They're toxic neighbours. They've arrived on Lowland Way, which is a beautiful suburban street in South London, where the residents have set things up exactly as they want it to be. Um, everyone's friendly, people socialise, there's no issues with parking, um, they keep their houses beautifully, they all get on. Um, and then into this mix come um, this pair of, of characters called Jodie and Darren, and they don't they don't want to follow the rules. They don't care about any of the things that the, the residents care about. They're using their corner plot to run a used car business, and Darren is a car mechanic, and they love loud music. Music, they love heavy metal. They're starting a renovation. Um, they're doing all the things that that we hate neighbours to do all in one go. You know, they're smashing down historic walls and they're cutting beautiful trees that people have loved for, for decades. Um, so they are those people. And um, inevitably, they clash with the existing culture. And that's when things escalate very, very quickly. So I read your first novel, Our House, last year, and really, really loved it. So when I read this one, which I also enjoyed, I was um, a little bit surprised by the difference in your narrative style between 
last year's book and this year's book. Where last year we focused on a central couple, here we have kind of an ensemble cast of characters, which fits really well given that you're describing kind of a neighborhood setting. Do you have a preference for which of those styles kind of works best for you now that you've written both ways? Well, I have actually written other books before that as well that have been published here in UK, the UK and Europe. So I've tried a lot oh. of different things. And I think what the, 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 the easiest answer is just to say that when you're right, when I write a novel, it does feel like reinventing the wheel each time. I want to do something new. I don't ever want to repeat. So even if I have a huge hit, I don't want to do the same again. I've mm-hmm. um, intellectually and, and, and thematically, I've often moved on to, to other stuff. So I hadn't done a book um, structured like those people before. I thought it would be a challenge and it was quite hard. There are four narrators. Initially, I wanted even more than four because I wanted a street of people. And I wanted to create almost an Agatha Christie kind of structure where you have a vast cast of characters and any one of them has an equal stake in the crime and could be the culprit. So that was what I was setting out to do. And inevitably, you know, inevitably, I was um, persuaded by editors to cut down my number of characters so that we could really, you know, focus in and have a proper, a proper, um, you know, emotional investment in the characters. So there are four narrators, but there are also, um, you know, deep insights into their spouses and you will also have a little bit of police testament testimony from um, some of the other characters. So it is a it is a wrangling a lot of characters compared to our house, which, as you say, had more of a kind of gone girl feel, I suppose, in that it was a couple, an estranged couple who were narrating the same story, really, but from their opposing points of view. So, um, so yes, entirely different. And, you know, that's what makes the job interesting to, to try something new each time. So now you have piqued my interest, because as far as I knew, those were the only two books that you had. So will some of the books that you've previously published in the UK make their way over here? I don't know. I hope so. Um, we'll have to see see what happens. There were a couple of others that were um, that did pretty well in the UK, which were also set in South London suburban streets. One was called The Sudden Departure of the Frasers and um, one was called The Swimming Pool. So I guess they would be good companion pieces if someone read Our House and those people and absolutely loved them. They could probably try and track down those others. Um, but certainly, I think our house was a really good one to to, to launch me in the U.S. because it yes. was is very strong. I think as a you know with strong voices and quite current, quite zeitgeisty in a way with the property obsession that I know um, is um, is just as intense in the U.S. as as it is in in Europe. Um, so I do think you have had my best. So I don't think you need worry too much about not having read read the others. Uh, well, I'm always on the hunt for <laughs> new books, so I, I may have to uh, investigate just oh, to see. So you have talked about, um, you know, kind of wanting to keep your job interesting, wanting to do different things with your work, and one of the things that struck me was kind of the unusual style—not so much just in the narrative, but in your novels setup. So like in our house, we had bits and pieces from a podcast where in those people, we also had bits and pieces taken from police interviews. And I think those kind of set 
your novels apart from others because we're seeing the stories told not only from the characters involved, but also gaining some insight through just kind of a different storytelling um, device. Do you try to find those kind of unusual like lead-ins to your book so that people feel like, oh, you know, this one centers around a podcast, this one centers around like a police interview. Do you find those to be meaningful to you or does it just kind of depend on the story that you're trying to tell? I think it depends on the story, but I do, I'm very anti-formulaic. So I do like to do things differently. So I'm not following a kind of, you know, the prescribed guide to writing a thriller I'm, you know, I believe myself to be to be doing something new, um, and it, but it needs to be appropriate to the story. And um, what I suppose what I'm trying to do is create a puzzle for readers. And I know as a reader myself that I prefer um, I prefer a story that has several elements rather than one linear um, direction. And so. I suppose that's at the heart of of what I'm trying to do. And, you know, some, I suppose it may come across as ex- experimental. It, you know, sometimes it may work better than others. But I'm always trying to to bring the story to the reader in a in a new, fresh way, I think. I, I, when you have several narrators as well, you do have the, um, you know, the benefit of, of seeing all the different angles into the story. So you yes. can be very restricted by... Um, by a single narrator because you 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 know by definition you can only ever discover what they know especially if it's first person mm-hmm. um so um so it is it, it was nice to write those people and to be able to a take a break from characters and go back to them and then you you know you kind of miss them you know when I when I was doing tests I would miss Ralph and it was it was quite nice because they were they were like my friends and I could revisit them and I might have a week of writing Sissy um, Strand and then I then I'd go to Ant um, so again that that keeps it fresh for me as a writer but ultimately the idea was to to bring a police investigation um, to the reader without actually following the procedural investigation. So you see it from the the point of view of the suspects rather from the point of view of the detectives. Did you have any of those characters that felt difficult for you to get in touch with as you wrote them? Um, No, I found I, I did have a couple of characters who I ended up eliminating for that reason. But the four who are left, who are Sissy and Tess and Ralph, I connected with all four of them in in for for a different reason. I think mm-hmm. my favourite was Ralph because I'm very I'm fascinated by kingpins. Like they, he's sort of repellent, but yes. he's also attractive. He's that kind of alpha male. I really identified with and enjoyed exploring the social mobility of his story. You know, he's what he's so protective of his perfect middle class existence because he's really had to work for it and he's come from the wrong side of the tracks mm-hmm. um, and, and you know and interestingly he's the least tolerant of the newcomers who've also come from from the wrong side of the tracks even though he did himself but he feels like he did it the right way whereas they're doing it in a in a um, you know a careless uncooperative way so I guess Ralph was my favorite um, but but I, I loved all four of them and, I've, and and they each have a different reason for finding the neighbors so unbearable and so intolerable and um, and so I kind of enjoyed going a bit deeper into each of their angles. Can you give listeners um, a hint of what might be coming next from you? 
Well, I'm writing um, a book which hopefully, if I finish it in time, will be released next year. And it's it's set in London. It's still set in South London, but it's right on the river. It's set um, among some commuters who commute to work along the River Thames on a river bus. Um, and there there is, in, in this case, one narrator. Um, so I think it's the first time in a while I've just had a single narrator, but you get multiple um, strands and um, he a bit, he's he's um, commuting with with a new friend, their neighbours. Um, he's called Jamie and his friend is called Kit and he's much younger. And I wanted to explore kind of generational differences between millennials and Generation X. And then Ooh. one day Jamie um, disembarks from the boat at his um, his stop on the river and he's met by the police and he's told that um, his young friend Kit has disappeared and that he was the last person to be seen with him. Um, and so he's a suspect in the disappearance of his friends, uh, uh, in, in the disappearance of his friend. <clears throat> and so we then go back in time and we see the beginning of their, their relationship. So it's kind of whereas those people I think you'd call suburban noir, um, this is this is more um, maybe riverside noir. <laughs> interesting to me all of the different names we've come up I with. I know. Domestic noir. I know. Um, I love them and they vary as well from the UK to the US. So if so I love real estate noir um which you oh, guys yes, have, we don't have, have that called. Here. Yeah. No, that well that's I've only heard it in the US cuz in the oh, really? UK. I yeah, in the UK it's um they my books are called um either suburban noir or um property porn lit they were called which is brilliant so there are so many of them I think that there could be a whole book of of um, labels for different genres of books yes so are you a reader I know you've mentioned enjoying um, certain types of books but would you call yourself like a big reader when you're not writing or even when you are well I'm more of a when I'm writing I'm more of a tv binger I would say, um, and actually, I do think my books are as influenced by TV structures as they are by by books. But I'm more of I, I do read a lot. I mean, I, if you came to my house, you would see possibly a thousand copies of um, proof copies of books that are that are coming out um, oh. soon and that I should be reading. But I try to avoid books that are um, too similar to my own when I'm writing because I don't want to be sort of subconsciously. Um, influenced yes so I tend to focus on classics and I'll go back to my favorites always like Agatha Christie Mm -hmm. Um, so I recently reread Death on the Nile Um, and I read I read a lot of news actually I read a lot of non-fiction and um, and I get a lot of ideas from news features um, and um, family stories um, I know you probably have Mail Online, don't you, in the US? Mail yes. Online is a great source of inspiration for me um, because um, they absolutely love a neighborhood um, a neighborhood um, conflict story uh, and, yes. you know, middle class crime and fraud and all of the things that I draw on. Um, I could I could have I could spend a day on Mail Online and I could have 10 novels mapped out. It's all there. <laughs> well, you, that's, you my should, uh, that's my tip for novelists. Go yes, and spend should, a day on mail you know, online. Spend a day and, and do that and like map out your next like several books. It'd yeah. Be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, well, I am a reader. I'm a reader and I'm a watcher as well. And I'm also a listener. I do like um, audio. 
I, um, I, I listen to a lot of classics um, dramatized by the BBC um, when I can't sleep. Um, and I listen to that. We have a, a radio soap called The Archers here, which I've been listening to for about 25 years. It's on every day. <laughs> we um, on Book Bistro are big audiobook fans. So have you ever listened to your books as audio? I have listened to bits of them, but I've never listened to them all the way through. Ah. Um, but certainly I'm more involved these days in um, casting and just generally um, being interested in them because um, obviously audio is booming. It's huge. So many yes. readers come to be come to me now through through audio. They'll say um, and, and interestingly, they will say that they choose their next book, not necessarily another one of mine, but the narrator who they love. And so once you realize how important the casting of narrators is as an author, you get a lot more interested in that process. And so um, so I do have a say in in whose cast um, to to read the books. Excellent. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating. And I think it with our house, because it was structured partly as a podcast, it was really important to cast the right person in that role of fee, because it's it's not a straightforward interview as as readers of that book will know. It's not as as straightforward as it seems. So so, I read an advanced copy of Our House um, last year. And I didn't hear the audio, but I will definitely have to pick that up. Yeah, I think I've I've heard extracts of the both the the American and the British because there are two separate ones, and they're oh. both they're both excellent. They're both really really good. Yeah. Well, I don't want to keep you from your next interview, but can you let listeners know the best way to interact with you online? Well, you could start with my website, which is louisecandlish.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. So you can you can see the links from from the website. And I'm always delighted to, to hear from readers. Twitter's probably where I would spend most of my time. So if you wanted to get me quite quickly, Twitter would be be the one. Um, but yes, please do let me read the book and let me know what you think. I'd absolutely love to hear from US readers. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and good luck on this book and your next one. And it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure for me too. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that interview with author Louise Candlish. It was a lot of fun to do. She was a real pleasure to chat with. I enjoyed myself a great deal. Now, new bookities, because there are always new bookities to talk about. So as always, this is not a comprehensive list. There is no way that I could ever mention all of the books coming out on any release day, even if it's not like a huge one. I just couldn't manage to do it. So these are things that either excite me personally, things that I know one or more of my co-hostesses are looking forward to, or just sort of things that I think would generally appeal to people who are likely to listen to this podcast. If you're looking forward to something and I didn't mention it, please let me know. And that helps me curate these lists um, for coming episodes. So first up is a book that Stacy mentioned 
in our uh, most anticipated Books of June episode. This is Some Like It Scandalous. It's Gilded Age Girls Club, book two by Maya Rodale. It's a historical romance set in Gilded Age, New York. I was lucky enough to read an advanced copy um, late last week and I really, really loved it. The first book is called Duchess by Design. So you can start there or you can dive right into Some Like It Scandalous. And that again is the Gilded Age Girls Club, book two by Maya Rodale. Now, books that we have not mentioned before. Regina Porter is releasing a book called The Travelers this week, and it's one of those family sagas. It traces the lives of two families. One is Irish and one is African-American, and apparently their lives intersect in some unexpected ways over about a 60-year period of time. So I am looking forward to this one. It is The Travelers, and it's by Regina Porter. Next up is a historical romance by Kat Sebastian. This is an author that I have never read, but I'm really eager to check her stuff out. I've heard fantastic things about her writing. So this is called Hither Page, and it's the first book in the Page and Summers series. And it's basically a romance between a country doctor and a spy who team up to solve a murder in Victorian London. Yeah. I think that sounds pretty great. So it is Hither Page, Page and Summers, book one by Kat Sebastian. More Victorian London, because what could be better? This is The Poison Thread by Laura Purcell. It was released last year in the UK as The Corset. And it's about two women who meet um, one of them is a prisoner, one of them is a woman who is doing kind of charitable works. And she meets this woman who is a prisoner, and this woman tells her that she is a seamstress and that she has the power to kill with just a needle and thread. So this is The Poison Thread by Laura Purcell. This next book is by an author who is new to me. His name is Brian Reardon, and the book is called The Perfect Plan. It looks to be a really twisty mystery about two brothers who are kind of bound together in a very deadly game. Um, apparently it starts out with the kidnapping of a young woman and goes on from there. So this, once again, is The Perfect Plan by Brian Reardon. This next book makes me happy for all kinds of reasons. It looks like a thriller kind of in the vein of Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. So this one is The Last Resort, and the author is Marissa Stapley. And basically, it's about a high-class spa that is meant to mend trouble mar troubled marriages, but apparently it is hiding some pretty dark secrets of its own. And I am super excited about this. I love books set like in inns or bed and breakfasts, spas, resorts. All these things make me happy. So this is definitely something that I want to read really soon. This is The Last Resort, and it is by Marissa Stapley. How about some fantasy? This is young adult fantasy. This is a series, actually an author that I have never read. This is Soul of the Sword, and it's book two in Julie Kagawa's Shadow of the Fox series. 
Natalie has read um, another series by her, uh, The Iron, why can't I remember what it's called? Um, but anyway, Natalie enjoys her writing. And so I thought this one might be worth mentioning here. So once again, it is Soul of the Sword, Shadow of the Fox, book two by Julie Kagawa. And more fantasy. This is urban fantasy. And I love the first book in this series so much. So this is the Alice Worth series. And book four, which is Heart of Stone, comes out this week. And I love it. I love the whole kind of um, like secret society of witches and the way in which these cabals kind of control the world. And our heroine is hiding from a cabal. And I love books with people on the run. So this is some of the best urban fantasy that's come out in the past couple of years. And this is the fourth book. It is Heart of Stone, Alice Worth, book four. And once again, the author is Lisa Edmonds. Next up is a post-apocalyptic book. Um, we could have used it for our apocalyptic episode um, if it would have come out in time. This is The Girl in Red by Christina Henry. And it is a post-apocalyptic take on Little Red Riding Hood. Henry is also known for writing a series, um, kind of a spin-off of Alice in Wonderland. So I'm pretty intrigued by her stuff. I've not read it, but I do want to give something of hers a try. So this is The Girl in Red by Christina Henry. And back to the mysteries because many of us here on Book Bistro really enjoy mysteries and thrillers. So this is Her Daughter's Mother and the author is Daniela Petrova. And it's the story of two women, one of the whom is an egg donor and the other is the woman who will be raising the child. And apparently they kind of get involved, they become friends, or maybe not, I don't know. They have a connection and this causes some problems. So once again, it's her daughter's mother and the author is Daniela Petrova. Deborah Webb is releasing a standalone novel. She's written several series. Um, Brooke is a particular fan of Webb's writing, but this is When You Come Back. And it's about a forensic anthropologist who is fighting to remember some things about her past. Um, I don't know what they are, but apparently they're tragic and they are connected to some things that are going on in the future, or not in the future, but in the present. So she is trying to get a hold on her past and figure out how it relates to these things that are going on now. And it is called When You Come Back, and it's by Deborah Webb. Historical romance, anyone? Yes, yes. Um, this is another author that I haven't read, but who writes some phenomenal things from what I've heard. I know a lot of people who really enjoy her writing. So this is The Determined Lord Hadley, and it's the fourth book in the King's Elite series by Virginia Heath. And I can't say too much about it because, as I've said, I have never read it. Ellen Hildebrand is writing her first historical novel. This is Summer of 69, and it is about four sub siblings who 
experience one summer of some pretty big extreme changes and kind of how those changes reverberate down the years as these siblings grow up. So this once again is Summer of 69 by Ellen Hillebrand and it is out this week. Lifelines. This is a book that um, has not received a lot of buzz up until now, but it looks really, really good. It's Lifelines by Heidi Deal, and it's the story of an American artist who goes to Germany to attend the funeral of her former mother-in-law. And while she's there, she learns some things about herself, um, her past, but also the family that she was once connected to. So this is Lifelines by Heidi Deal. This next book is one that I read over the weekend and it has gotten a lot of buzz. I personally did not love this as much as I hoped to, but that does not mean that other people won't. This is Girl in the Rearview Mirror by Kelsey Ray Dinberg. And it's kind of, I don't know, like it's set in Phoenix. It's about a nanny who is growing very suspicious of the family that she's working for. Um, she's approached by a strange woman who asks her to give a message to her employer. And from there, everything kind of goes sideways. Um, it's full of some twists. I could see where some of them were headed. It just was not my favorite. But as I said, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean you won't. So if you enjoy these... Um, Books that are, they kind of read like Hitchcock thrillers. You might want to check this out. It's Girl in the Rearview Mirror, and the author is Kelsey Ray Dinberg. This next book is also something that I've read. I just finished it last night, and this one I did really like. This is The Rumor, and the author is Leslie Cara. And this is a pretty quick read. Um, it's about a single mother who hears a rumor outside when she's waiting to get her son from school. And she doesn't really intend to pass this on, but then she starts having trouble fitting in with some of the other mothers. And she thinks that if she tells them this thing that she heard, this might kind of help her cause. And obviously, as you might expect, it does not. Um, but what happens next makes for a pretty great read. So this again is The Rumor, and it is by Leslie Cara. And the last one for me today is a historical novel by Kate Moss. This is The Burning Chambers, and it's the first book in a series of the same title. So this takes place in 16th century France during the religious wars. And there's a lot of intrigue, some romance, some kind of court politics. Um, it looks super good. It's like 600 pages in print. So if you like big books, this is definitely something to pick up. So this again is The Burning Chambers, The Burning Chambers, book one by Kate Moss. And that is all I have for you today. I hope that I have managed to find something to appeal to each of you who are listening today. Um, definitely let me know what you're reading and loving, or like I said, what you're looking forward to reading that perhaps I haven't mentioned. I'm always glad to know what people are looking forward to. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more new release information and, of course, another author interview. Um, 
if you have something to say, if you'd like to let us know what you think of the show, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to access the show. And not only does it let us know your thoughts on Book Bistro, but it helps other book lovers find us. And we definitely are looking for more listeners. So you could help us out by doing that. Um, It should only take a few minutes. We would appreciate it. All right, that's it for me. Um, I'll be back, of course, next Tuesday morning with more new release information. And some number of us will be here on Friday with all manner of bookish fabulousness. Take care, everybody.